Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Her Game 2, where we look at everything from the WSL to the National League and beyond. My name, as always, is Chess Warren, and joining us to review the action is our correspondent over in Portugal. It's the Portuguese sports re- reporter for Renaissance, it's Inesh Sampario. And also making his debut, it's former Billericay Town Ladies Manager Scott Chickleday. Lots of action domestically and abroad for us to get our teeth into this week. So we're going to start by looking at the midweek Champions League action. On Wednesday, Chelsea took on Real Madrid at Kings Meadow in what was a clash between the two unbeaten sides in Group A. It's fair to say the first half wasn't a lot to write home about, but the deadlock was broken by Sophie Ingle from a corner on 67 minutes. Aaron Cuthbert's dipping cross sealed the points with 15 minutes left catching out goalkeeper Misa Rodriguez. That win moves Chelsea five points clear in this group. They're certainly looking a lot stronger than they were this time last year. Inesh, Emma Hayes was full of praise for her squad after saying that, that this team is on another level and it's the best squad we've ever had. Would you put them in the pot as one of the potential winners for this Champions League this year? I think uh, Chelsea, despite uh, recent disappointments, they're, you know, like one of those uh, teams that are always candidate, you know, uh, strong candidates to win the Champions League for the players they have. Any team that has, you know, Frank Kirby, despite her not playing at the moment, uh, Sam Kerr, uh, um, Pernil Harder, even though, yes, she's injured at the moment, but, you know, the amount of players and the way they can replace injured players with um, with the players that are almost or just as good as the the ones that were starting. Like you have Lauren James as well, who's a magnificent player. Uh, you have uh, in midfield Aaron Cuthbert. I mean, the squad depth and quality. I think that makes them you know perpetually candidates to win the Champions League, and. Um, it's a team that has stayed more or less the same over the years, over, over the last like couple, uh, three years. So I think, you know, with the added experience and learning with mistakes and disappointments, because that's also a pathway to, you know, to, to evolving, to getting better as a team. I think there are strong candidates to, to lift the trophy at the end of the season. Yes. Realistically, though, who do you think is also going to be making it out of this group A? I think, uh, well, uh, either PSG or Real Madrid, uh, although Real Madrid at the moment are a very um, metaphorically great team. They haven't been playing well at all. Uh, PSG are very inconsistent as well, but, you know, they have uh, players that can pull them through tougher patches. So I, I would say... Uh, between PSG and Real Madrid, maybe PSG, but it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a toss between either, either of those. So um, my bet is on PSG, but I wouldn't be surprised if Real Madrid made, made it too. Chelsea are clear favorites, though. They're the, they will for sure finish in first place, and um, they're clearly at the moment the strongest team in the group. It was also the first, I don't have the, the stat up with me right now, but it's it was the first time in a long time that um, 
an English team has beaten a Spanish team in the Champions League as well because a couple of se- for a couple of seasons it's normally been where um English teams have fallen foul especially especially against Real Madrid I mean you saw it earlier on in the qualifying against Manchester they not managed to knock out Manchester City to even get into this group so it's very impressive from Chelsea. The other game of the group saw five different scorers as PSG brushed aside Villarzina 5-0 in Paris. Inesh, Group B is looking really interesting, isn't it? Everyone thought that Wolfsburg were going to breeze through, but this group are completely different because currently they're level on points with Roma after the two teams drew 1-1 in Rome. The other game in Group B saw St. Poulton win 1-0 in the Czech Republic against Slavia Prague. On Thursday, Group C saw Arsenal travel to Turin to face their old managers, Joe Montemuro's Juventus, looking to bring the sort of success um, to Italy that he did at Arsenal. It was the Italians who took the lead through Linith Berenstein on the 52nd minute, but Viv Miedemar, who started her first game in a while for the Gunners, grabbed an equaliser on the 61st minute. The point leaves Arsenal too clear of Juve with a return game in London to come. Lyon won comfortably the other game in the group in Switzerland against FC Zurich with a couple from Signe Brun and one from Melvin Mallard seeing them win 3-0. And this is a really interesting group because I think Lyon in general this season, both domestically and also in the Champions League, seem to be really struggling with injury, especially... I, th- I think Ma- I think Melvin Mallard's really kind of hold- holding up and kind of being the backbone of this team. Do you think this leaves the competition kind of in general a lot wider for the teams clinching for that Champions League win because they just simply are not the same side that lifted the trophy last season? Yeah, no doubt. Um, Lyon are, I-, I don't know, like a lot of things can happen up until May. Uh, players can recover from injuries and, you know, players can be hired during the winter so i'm not so sure about like ultimately uh other teams being able to you know to lift that trophy you know away from from teams like chelsea barcelona leon who i think are the strongest at the moment um but at the moment like right now leon are definitely uh very frail a lot of players injured in a lot of bad positions uh, and even the replacements being injured. So it's really, uh, Sonny Bompastor is in a really difficult moment, uh, in a really difficult difficult place, sorry, uh, at the moment, because uh, it, you can see her struggling to even field a, a team that is sufficiently competitive to, you know, to face not just, you know, the the tough competition that she has in the Champions League and the tough competition that she has internally because uh, smaller teams in France are becoming increasingly stronger, but also being able to face, you know, the the trials of having to play every three days because that's also really, really tough. And, you know, player recovery is so important in modern football that, you know, if you don't have a complete squad, then you will really struggle to get your players up to shape game after game after game. And that's a real problem for Sonny Van Bastort clearly at the moment. And for Lyon, who have not been as strong as they have, you know, used us to being. Um, and, you know, although they were able to deal with Zurich, because Zurich is... I think we can say this with no dis- disrespect, the, the weakest team in the group, uh, Juvent- Juventus and Arsenal being obviously uh, the, the stronger the stronger opponents for Lyon. Uh, 
um, but yes, it will be the problem right now is making sure because like I, like I was saying later, once they you know they're clear of the group stage, then a lot of things a lot of things can change. But the problem is, will they make it through the group stage? Because these are three very high level teams. They all want to compete for a spot in the knockout stage. And Lyon struggling so hard at the moment. Will this will they be able to get through this relatively unscathed? That's a, the big challenge for them because they, you know, uh, as much as I respect uh, Roma and Slavia Prague and St. Poulton, for example, you know, if Lyon had been in a group with those teams, it wouldn't have been as much of a question, you know, whether they would be able to make it through the group stage. But uh, with Juventus and Arsenal, uh, that's that's a real challenge. Because after that, they can recover players, they can get new players, and, you know, they can sort of backtrack in this, uh, you know, in this crisis they're in, so to speak, for right now, just making it through the group stage. I think that's what they will, you know, it's, it's, it's the toughest challenge they face at the moment, especially because they're relatively comfortable in the championship or in D1 Arkema. So uh, the Champions League is a real challenge right now. Yeah, I guess we're kind of seeing the same issue with injuries happen domestically for Arsenal. Um, the fact that they have a small squad, the fact that most of them are not are not fit, they don't have match fitness um, at this current moment in time. They're really struggling to kind of field that first eleven that they're wanting to do, so they that they can kind of compete with those top level teams. But the difference between Lyon and Arsenal is Arsenal are not as dominant on a domestic stage, and so we can kind of we expect Chelsea to kind of cinch a couple of wins. We accept them to drop points against the likes of Manchester City and maybe Manchester United, as we've just seen, probably Chelsea. But we do not expect that same that same thing from Lyon. I'm not saying that it's happened yet, but they're looking like they're, they're, the game they played this weekend, they looked like they struggled. Um, and Melvin Mallard allowed them to cinch the win. I think it was I think it was three two in in the end, and she yeah she, yeah she and she won the game for them. And we're not used to seeing that with Leon. I think that's kind of probably why it's so jarring. So it's going to be really interesting to see whether uh, so they either bring in someone else in January or like or help pad out their squad, or they're able to recover from those injuries a little bit quicker. Something that was really jarring, like you said, for me, wasn't even the result. It was like, if you look at the, st- the, the stats for the game, you see that uh, Paris FC had like 44% you know, of uh, possession and they had nine shots against 15 shots by Lyon and 56% of, of possession. So the stats tell you, as did the game, um, you know, upon watching, that it was a really, really close game. It wasn't just one of those games when, you know, one of the te- the weaker team goes up, you know, twice and scores two goals. No, this was a, a game that, you know, Bahiefse uh, actually fought for and battled to win. And they were, you know, they deserved get something from that game because they played, um, you know, they really made Lyon struggle. It wasn't just all defense and then, you know, going up there twice and getting lucky. No, it was a game where they battled for the ball, they battled for control of the game. And that's the kind of symptom that 
is worrisome for Lyon, in my opinion, because you know, it's they're such a dominant team. They've they've you know they've uh, they're used to being such a dominant team to controlling games so thoroughly that you know a game that is so tight, uh, such a balanced affair. That is, I think, that's cause for concern for Lyon. You know, not even being able to get those games fully under control anymore. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes uh, from now on. Sorry, I'm just looking up to see if there's any expected goal starts on um, FB Ref, which is my absolute love of my life. Oh, yeah, XG. Can't stand XG. Oh, piss off. Um, it's great. And Emma Hayes loves it, so therefore it is, it is good. <laughs> Why would you want to know about goals they might have scored? Because it it shows you how good the chances were. Mm. No, it's all about putting it in the back of the net. Yeah, it is all about I putting think... it in the back of the net. Well, I I thought I the was just doing it to whether. Balance. Yeah. Sorry, no. No, like... I was going to say whether whether they had like absolutely tanked them on X on XG, but they actually hadn't. So sorry, I'm going to shut up and carry on with things. But no, it's always some sometimes it's always interesting to see it because if like if 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 Leon had had like zero point nine expected goals and they'd scored like three, or they had a huge expected mm-hmm. goals and had only scored like X amount, it's like showing you the quality of the chances. Or like yeah. can suggest towards the quality of the chances, but yeah, there wasn't any. So I'll shut up and carry on to the next bit. Um, <laughs> Group D saw the most mouthwatering game sure. of match day three with Barcelona facing Bayern Munich in Catalonia. Gieza nodded home a header across goal two minutes into the second half. Anita Bomati slotted home from Fridolina Roffolo's cutback and Claudia Pino's. 25 yarder secured the point. The build up play for that one is absolutely gorgeous. By playing in this match, Kira Walsh and Lucy Bronze became the first English players to represent Barcelona at the new camp since Gary Lineker in 1989. Fellow Euros winner Georgia Stanway was in the lineup for Bayern, who came up short against a classy Barcelona outfit. I'd just like to mention that in Bayern Munich's game this weekend, Georgia Stanway wasn't able to play because she's already serving a suspension for too many yellow cards. The victory is Barcelona's 12th in a row from all competitions and leaves the 2021 winners top Group D, having won all three of their games so far. The match set a new record for a Women's Champions League group game with 46,967 in attendance. The reverse fixture is played at Bayern's Allianz Arena in December. Inesh, was this a statement of intent for Barcelona, clinching this win against Bayern at home in front of all of their lovely, lovely fans? Definitely. I mean, you know, Bayern, for the name that they have, the team that they have, you know, they're also contenders, obviously. So, you know, being so obviously so evidently uh you know uh better and getting such a you know such a win because it's three nil it's not two nil it's not one nil it's three nil it's two three goals without you know without reply so you know uh it's very much a statement of intent and even without alexia even without mariona uh you know racking up those goals and those wins and especially because sometimes you're used to seeing uh, Barcelona score early and then, you know, rack up the goals as they go along the minutes, but then that wasn't, uh, the first goal was scored in the second half 
And then the two last goals were scored uh, late in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, it's also a way of showing, no, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, one of those, in one of those big days when we can score goals from every <laughs> every corner of the, of the pitch, you know. It's also when the result uh, is not as evident and, you know, people are starting to doubt that we can rise to the occasion and, bam, three goals. And, you know, it's um, it's definitely a, also showing people that they can win in several circumstances. You know, they don't need to be two goals up after after the break to win a game. They can win a game later and uh, they can toy with their foot, so to speak, and only score the two last goals, you know, later in the game. That's uh, yeah, that's a clear statement of intent. Uh, and they show that they can, you know, get three past uh, any opponent because you could see it, it was Bayern, but it was Arsenal last season, you know, and it can be it could be Chelsea, it could be anyone because they're just that strong. And at the moment, even though last season's final was what it was at the moment, it would be Lyon as well because they're just that strong. It's it's and by getting Kira Walsh. Even though obviously uh, Alexia is missed because you know she's such a, a different and strong presence in midfield, um, really managed to find a way around that, uh, and even around Mariona missing, and she was so important in the uh, in the game she had been in. So um, yeah, I'm actually curious to see what happens when when Alexia comes back because someone will have to go to the bench. And uh, at the moment, you're like, I don't want any of those players to, to, you know, to go to the bench because they're all playing so well. So, yeah, I'm um, Barcelona are definitely one of the strongest contenders for, you know, for the Champions League. Also on Thursday, there was domestic action as Liverpool visited Reading and were involved in a 3-3 draw, their second one in less than seven days. In a thrilling encounter, Katie Stengel gave visitors Liverpool the lead before Tia Primer's leveller on half-time. Natasha Dowie put Reading in front against her former side, but Stengel and Rhiannon Roberts struck to put the Reds 3-2 up. But Sunny Trollersgaard denied Liverpool a first WSL win since the opening day as her towering header was deflected in. Scott, that draw doesn't really help either team, does it? They both kind of needed to pick up the three points, and the spoils have been shared. What do you think of this fixture? Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think uh, Liverpool, I think we're sitting 10th, Reading 11th, I think they're sitting in the table. So both teams really could have done with maximum points out of there. But that was actually a really good game. Really good game. Like I said, from the neutral point of view, fantastic game. <laughs> you know, a game, a game full of goals. But I think Matt Beard, you know, knowing Matt, I think he'd be a little bit disappointed with that conceding late on. Lots of goals, again, in a fixture that involves Liverpool, as we've just mentioned there. You're an ex-manager. You know what it's like to tell a defence to tighten up. But realistically, how are they going to do that with the players that they have to make sure that they don't slip into 12th or further this, this season? You know, it's from a manager's point of view, it's, it's quite difficult, especially when, you know, things are not going your way. Points are, are hard to come by. You know, players' confidence of low. Uh, so it's it's really just trying to uh, build a good team morale and keep working on the things in training, keep trying to make things tight, the relationships between 
you know, the defenders, the goalkeeper, the defenders and the midfielders is important as well. But it's really just to try and keep everyone on it, everyone aware, everyone alert. And just, uh, yeah, just to try and, as a team, just build and just be as strong defensively as you can. But, you know, it's easy saying that and it's it's difficult to do, especially some of the opposition you've got in the Super League now. There's some fantastic strikers and attacking players in there. Internationals is full of internationals now. So it's, you know, every, every game that, these teams at the bottom, every game that they're playing from I don't know, first place down to sixth place, have probably got like an international striker within their team. So it's always, always going to be difficult. But, you know, Liverpool on the back of a fantastic season last year. I, I, I think they'll, I think Matt will put it around. I think they'll be all right this season. But yeah, it's a really good point you made there about international strikers. Um, but I was actually quite impressed with Reading in this fixture and their ability to score goals because they seem to fall down on that last season and rely quite a lot on Deanna Rose, a Canadian international. Um, and she's she's been out and will be out for the significant part of, of this season due to an injury. But it will be really interesting to see whether any of these teams fall foul of the drop, like it's looking like Leicester probably will do at the end of this season. But this week, the WSL took a break for Conti Cup action. There were no major shocks, to be honest, as the championship sides who faced WSL sides failed to beat them. Scott, does this show that there is a big gap between the divisions still, or realistically, is this what we kind of expected? Uh, I, I think there's quite a big gap still, if I'm honest. If you look at the Conti Cup as well, especially for the, sometimes the championship teams as well, they they play some of the players that need the minutes. So they're topping up players with minutes. So, you know, they may leave some of their, their main players out for some of these fixtures just to, so they can get the other players in to top them up, give them some game time. But, the, you know, if you, if you look down, Man City beat Sunderland 3-0. Uh, Brighton, who are struggling in the Super League. And you've got London City who are flying in the uh, Championship. You know, Brighton beat them. It's from if you was to look at the top six in the Super League, I think the championship are way, way off. But if you look at maybe the bottom four or five, then I think some of the championship sides are not so far off, if that makes sense. Our correspondent, Mittal Samji, saw Spurs brush aside Coventry 5 1 with Evelina Summerman, Rosella Ian, Keris Harrop, Amy Turner and Leanne Gunning-Williams on target for Rianne Skinner's side. Mittal caught up with Rianne Skinner and the Coventry United manager Lee Birch after the game. I'm really pleased. I think there's been loads of positives for us today. Uh, a lot of players have got minutes today that we've been trying to get back on track with. Um, obviously, we had two debuts. Debut goal for Lena Gunning-Williams as well, which is a fantastic header as well, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I think um, we've done the job that we needed to do and ready for the last game in the group stage. And how important was it when you scored your first goal at that particular moment in time? I just think we were obviously trying to, you know, do our in-possession stuff to the best of our ability. And I think we had a couple of chances. You know, we had one really early in the game. And I think it just kind of gets you into a little bit of a flow then. So, yeah, positive and good timing. Evelyn is a fantastic player. I mean, I think, you know, she's very effective in... Um, developing our possession to get into the final third and obviously you know you can see a final third impact from from what you've just said is is obviously something that we're um, seeing more and more of um, so yeah just you know both goals 
think all of our goals in the first half were really good, to be honest. Could have scored more um, in the second half. What more could have been done to address this? Because I know with Spurs, they're looking to try to bridge the gap amongst the top sides in the WSL. So how are you looking to probably address that? Well, I just think you just keep working on everything that you do in front of goal. It's just a, an ongoing process throughout the course of the season. I think, you know, today, different goal scorers coming from different areas, different players assisting. I think that's kind of summing up that we're doing things positively because we've got contributions from lots of different players. And, and that's just something that we want to carry on working on and, and improving on all the time, every game. And how pleased you are with like, kind of Drew Spencer's influence in this team so far at Tottenham? Because she's been kind of a revelation for you, for, for, your, for your side as well. So how key she's going to be for, for you for this season? I think Drew's a fantastic player. That's why we signed her. So in terms of her capabilities, that was obvious before she came here. And I think now that she's settled into the team, essentially what she's doing is what she's always been capable of doing. Um, we're just seeing her in a, a fantastic space at the moment and we're getting the best out of her. And I think that's really positive for us. And then going forward to the next game, so how, how are you looking to push on from, how are you going to push on from today and for the upcoming game against Reading in the WSL? I think we're obviously back to a league game and, and so that's, you know, a massive focus for us is in the league and so we just need to carry on building on the things that we've been working on in terms of our style of play and the things we're trying to achieve and we've got players to enable us to have a, a bigger squad going into that game actually against Reading now as well which is something that we've struggled with so far this season so so that'll help us moving forward for these last four games before Christmas. Lee, commiserations, what's gone wrong today? Nothing really wrong, I think it's a case of a WSL, a good WSL side against a, a very young championship side, obviously people know where we're at with regards to the the league table and we, we tried something today with regards to what we wanted to to get out of the game and, and I, I was really pleased with quite a few positives we've restricted a very good WSL side to three set piece goals and their second one was really good you know uh, they popped it around us it was a really nice goal from them but you know if you're restricting them to, to set pieces and, and you know long range shots and things it, it was it was it was good so yeah there's positives to take out of it from our point of view definitely because these sort of games can, can really can really run away from, from you Especially the goal that you caused consolation, that was a worldie. So something that you maybe can possibly take going forward? Yeah, well, we have scored this season. You know, we, we, we've, had, we've had a bit of a goal threat and we, we have scored this season. And um, yeah, that was, that was good. I mean, Fran's great strike from her. But we had two or three really good moments to, to get on the end of things. We forced the keeper to make a couple of saves. So even though we were obviously sat in a, a low block and looking to counter, we actually used the counter quite well. And I thought there was also a couple of times where we probably could have got a, a bit of a quicker shot off. Um, but yeah, again, as I say, against a, a side that's, you know, they beat Brighton 8-0 this year. You know, they're a good side. So, you know, we, we were a very young team. We rotated the team around. And I was pleased with the, the players' um, application of a, of a game plan. And in terms of making rotations, do you thought maybe it was the right decision at the time um, to have some rotations? Because I think you've won your opening game in the Conti Cup. So you just thought maybe probably a strong side in you and probably good challenge in this competition well we rotated in the last game when we beat Southampton so you know it was um, maybe maybe those rotations are not rotations maybe they're stronger players so I don't, I don't know we need to give players opportunities to play and we, we've got a few knocks and niggles as everyone does so we we wanted to rest rest them obviously next week against Sunderland is a massive game for us so this game yes it was the next game and the next game is always important but you know we did have half an eye on next week and then looking back on the first goal, I was a little bit damaging because I think you could have done a bit better with the, in terms of clearing, clearing the danger for the first goal um, because I think the header was actually gone onto literally the empty net. So maybe what you could have done be better for next time in these kind of positions? Do you feel you maybe could do better? 
But, yeah, so the first one was a second phase of a, of a, of a set piece. So, yeah, I think um, it, it's clear. Just we had, Again, we had a couple of players that were new into the system at, at applying, so it's making sure they're really clear with their roles and, and can try to execute them as, as well as they can. Unfortunately, against good sides, you make a slight error, you don't go with the runner, you don't stay with someone, especially in those second phases, that, that will happen. It was obviously a, a good header. Um, and at times I've seen you guys play very compact at the back as well, but I know it was... The quality is quite contrasting to the golfing class with Tottenham's quality in terms of of established WSL side now. Um, how much are you going to be looking looking to inspire or in, kind of motivate the kind of influential players or kind of experience that Simran Jamra who have been in this kind of in the game for quite a time and are you looking to probably uh, help them to make um, be more impactful in games like this going forward? Yeah, I mean, we have to we have to try to get our best players on the ball in the best areas, and, and that's what we we've tried to do this season. That's why we've had a, a threat in in other games. But today wasn't wasn't going to be about that. If you were over expansive against this team, they it would have gone eight, nine, ten. You know, they've got the ability to do that with the pace at the back. Uh, uh, sorry, the pace up front they've got against our back line. If we'd been over expansive and, and tried to you get those players really high that would have caused us problems. So I was quite pleased with someone like, you know, someone like Sim as well, who had to do a lot of the defensive stuff rather than, than the attacking play that she, she she's known for. So it was a good challenge for those players to 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 do that. And obviously there can be some games, even in the championship, where we might have to sit and defend the lead and, and you know, be hard to break down against certain sides and we've got to get points on the board. So something today was it was today was about challenging the players to, to try to deliver something different as far as between box to box and if you take out those three set pieces there's a, I think there's a really good performance in there mm. and you had some really good chances in the first half as well. I think you kind of forced keeper of save and then you parried it away so you had some really good chances there and I think that's something positive that you can able to create some chances and I know you need to maybe tri- create those kind of chances into goals when it comes to league games now because I know at the bottom of the league and how you can probably change the club's fortunes now well, I think the the big the big thing is obviously getting um, a performance and a result against Sunderland. Obviously, you know we're four points behind them going into them next, so that's massive. And it's about making sure that we put in a performance that we've been proud of that rolls into the into the the January transfer window. And we've really got to get recruitment right in January. That's going to be huge. You know, we had a very small. I was only here a month before the season started. We had a month to get a whole squad together. You know, we had seven players here. Um, so the task to get a competitive side out onto the, onto the pitch was some of the best work and myself and my staff have done and the girls have been brilliant with that. But we do have to go again with recruitment in January and make sure that we can add the right players, the right mentality, the right quality to this group to, to keep us in this division. Scott, it's such a tough task for Lee Birch at Coventry at the moment, isn't it? Like he said there, he has to build a new squad almost from scratch. Do you think they will be making it out, staying in the championship this season, or is it lights out for the club? Hard to say. To be honest with you, I thought it was lights out last season, <laughs> and they managed to, you know, done a Houdini on it, didn't they? They they come from nowhere. Literally, I think it's the last kick of the season. They managed to stay up, but he's had to build a, a team from scratch, which is is difficult. Obviously, they lost Wilco as well. Kate Wilkinson, their main striker, they lost her to Southampton and. Billy Ricky, we, we actually played Coventry in the FA Cup last season and uh, we lost on penalties in extra time. We, we took them to extra time and then lost, lost on penalties. So I see firsthand what their squad was like. They had a really good squad and a real togetherness. This was when they was really gathering momentum towards that back end of the season. But he lost some really good 
some really good players. And like I said, starting from scratch in the league like the championship is always going to be difficult with a new group of players. But I do think they will go this season, if I'm honest. I think it's going to be one too many from this season to stay up. But who knows? Like I said, I think they proved so many people wrong last season. I'd love to see them stay up again, but but who knows? But it'd be very difficult. Yeah, it's it's not over until it is actually over, but it's looking tough because when when it's hard to see who will go down instead, I think that's when that's when the big worry will be. As an aside though, um this weekend saw the return of Hannah Hampton, who was back in goal for Aston Villa for their one nil win over Durham. It was also the first round of the FA Cup this weekend for teams lower down in the pyramid as they hope to progress in the tournament. There are so many games that I think if I tell you the results of them all, we will be here until actually next week. Uh, But for you, Scott, were there any results that kind or standout performances that caught your eye over this weekend? Uh. There's a couple. Uh, Portsmouth are going really well this year. They're in tier three. They uh, they beat Bowers 7-0. I know Bowers are, are quite lower down, but I, I think Portsmouth could be ones to watch to maybe have a good run this year. Ipswich, again, won 3-0. Unfortunately, you know, Billericke got knocked out to AFC Wimbledon. You know, Billericke have been in the, got to the fifth round last year. So, unfortunately, their journey coming to an end. But AFC Wimbledon knocked Billericke out this year 2-0, who... I know Kev down there, the manager, they've got a real good side this season. So hopefully, you know, they'll be able to push on a little bit. Then obviously yeah, the the big one, Newcastle Barnsley, where Newcastle won two one. They're obviously the game that made made all the headlines this week. Yeah, I guess we can't really talk about the FA Cup without without talking about that fixture. First round, Newcastle, Newcastle against Barnsley, twenty-eight thousand five hundred and sixty-five in attendance at St James's Park to watch the Lady Mags beat Barnsley. The winning goal, by the way, was an absolute screamer. So if you're listening to this now, definitely go and check it out. It's on Newcastle socials. I actually also retweeted it because it was an absolutely epic lob from quite far out. It's the highest attended women's FA Cup game outside of final ever. And this was between two fourth tier sides. How epic is that, Scott? Do you think this is really impressive, the kind of turnaround at Newcastle and the support they have for their women's team? Yeah, I think when I see that, it's absolutely amazing. But I think this is the benefit that some of the women's team get from being able to use the men's grounds. You know, when, when the doors get opened, when the main gates get opened for the men's grounds, it's a good day out for family. You're not you're not standing in the you know. Unfortunately for some of the women in tier four and tier five, they're they're in pitches in the middle of nowhere when you know people can't get there for one reason or another, or people just don't want to go there because it's not really a a glamorous a glamorous ground. And it's it's, it's great that you know some of the the first teams of some of these big clubs are, are letting the women play there, and it's it's amazing. And hopefully it it will continue. And like I said, you you've got so many big clubs in them in the depths in tier three and that where I think that you know MK Dons they use the first team men's men's ground uh we played Watford at Vicarage Road they they use it as well when you always get not as many as Newcastle had but you always get good crowds at when it's when it's held at the main grounds so I think if that was to continue a little bit more it'll attract more people to to watch it and that's what we all want we want to get more people through the gate watching these games 
It's a good point you mentioned there about grounds that are kind of far away from from the centre or far away from the clubs are based. I think a lot of the London teams are struggling with that at the moment. Even the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea, their setups at Kings Meadow and Meadow Park respectively are good, um, but they suffer from having small capacities and actually being logistically quite difficult to get to. I think Lee Sports Village, although it's got twelve a 12,000 capacity and is a great stadium, it doesn't have transport links. And I think that that really tanks attendance uh, later on I know what you mean about standing in a field in the middle of nowhere this week I traded in going to see a Conti Cup game or going to see um, something in the lower lower divisions to uh, go and watching ninth or 10th tier um, South London laces um, a friendly in a random field in the middle of Richmond it was very rainy I got very wet as an aside though the club came under a bit of fire when a statement was put out um, this week, uh, this weekend, that uh, by the club that if the WSL was looking to expand, Newcastle would hopefully apply for a license to jump straight up the leagues into the WSL. Do you think it's a bit naive of the no- new owners to think that they can pump money into the club and bypass other leagues, or do you think because realistically this is what happened with West Ham, um, Manchester United jumped straight into the Championship when they re restarted their their women's team do you think this is kind of how how it's how it's going now or do you think it things have things have changed even in the past couple of years scott what do you think i think the way that they look at it is the wsl they want it to mirror the premier league so they're going to want the big teams in there they want the man united's in there they're going to want the newcastles in there so from from that aspect i get it from a a football point of view the women's game the top tier you want the best teams in there the best clubs you know the biggest clubs but when you look at the championship when you've got teams like you know Sheffield United Crystal Palace uh Bristol City uh Blackburn Birmingham there's some Charlton there's some big clubs in there as well and I just think them clubs would probably look at that and think you know that's not fair <laughs> season after season we're fighting in this championship trying to get promoted into that league and you know you're just going to jump two divisions and go straight in it. So I get both sides of it. I get the side that Newcastle possibly should be there, but I'm also that you should earn the right to be there, if that makes sense. So I understand both sides of it, but, you know, if they're going to invest in it, they're just going to have to be patient and maybe go through the leagues like everyone else has to. Looking back at domestic leagues that are happening all over Europe, Inesh, as we mentioned earlier... Barcelona are on an incredible run and as expected in the Liga are absolutely walking away with it. They won away 6-1 at Atletico Madrid. All of this without Puteos and Hermosa. And it's good to see that Lucy Bronze was amongst one of the scorers as well. Although, bless her, she looked a bit like Mr Bump afterwards because I think she conked heads with someone in the process of getting her debut goal for Barcelona. Real Madrid are second. They won 5-1 at home to Alhama. Caroline Weir opening scoring there. It's tight behind them though, isn't it? And especially because of the the new coefficient, that third place spot is really important in the Spanish leagues. Definitely, uh, Real Sociedad proved that any team uh, last year proved that any team can you know can clinch a um, a Champions League spot. So uh, I think the teams are very and Atlético Madrid isn't as strong as they used to, as they used to be uh, before, especially before Real Madrid showed up. So it's a it's a very tough competition, and uh, Real Madrid are also in maybe one of their 
least uh, exciting season since, you know, since the, the women's team was created because uh, it feels like it's not gelling completely. So in my opinion, there are two places are up for grabs for every other team. There's Barcelona and then there's everyone else. And um, it'll be interesting because we could see an upset, you know, um, because you always expect Atletico or Real Madrid to, you know, to 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 clinch those 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 Champions League spots. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if an if a, if a fourth team basically um, ended up, you know, taking one of those spots instead of Atletico or Real Madrid because. It's just they're just not that good at the moment, and um, and they're so like the other teams are growing so much. You see, for example, Leva- Levante won five one against Sevilla, so you know it's um, it's a statement of intent. Real Sociedad are struggling a bit in this in the beginning of the season, but it, they're also a very strong team, and they made really good signings like. The Portuguese midfielder Andrea Jacint. So um, I'm really excited. I think this has been a really exciting edition of, you know, a very exciting first edition of the Spanish professional league. Um, and even Barcelona have struggled in the beginning, and they're letting they're conceding some goals from time to time. So that's also more competition than you're used to uh, to them getting. So I think it's going to be a really um, really exciting rest of the season second half of the season uh in in spain we will be back next week to review the action and bring the latest news from the women's game also as always follow us on twitter at twfp1 and on instagram at the women's football podcast please subscribe and make sure to leave us a review as it really helps us out have a great week guys